In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I found myself at a different place of worship a few years back. It was a very large, prominent church, and it was a place where, where a lot of people went to visit. It was also in the middle of a city where at lunchtime you could stop in for a short service during lunch. There was a lot of pedestrian traffic. There were restaurants on the premises. I went there to light a candle in this beautiful, busy, yet it was a peaceful place. So I thought, I'm gonna go pray. I'm gonna go light a candle because there, there was a lot of really heavy stuff on my mind and on my heart and I had to make a very important decision. And even though I'm a priest and I am in the midst of religious things and thoughts on an hourly basis, many things can and do distract me from prayer. So I am grateful to find space where I can intentionally focus and engage my prayer life. So I went to light a candle. There was this candle rack outside in an area set aside for prayer. And I approached the place where these candles were set. And it was a larger version of the candle racks that we have here at St. Edmund's, you know, off to the side where you can light a tea candle and kneel and, 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 and offer up a prayer. But these candles, they weren't tea candles. They were large. They were five, six inches high and two to three inches around. And as I approached the candles, I was met with a sign that you couldn't miss that said, candles, $5 each. $5 each. Now, that wasn't to purchase the candles, mind you. $5 to light one. Now, I didn't say that this was a suggested donation. It didn't say simply donations appreciated. The sign wasn't discreetly off to the side. It was right smack dab in the middle, and you couldn't miss the sign should you find yourself going toward the candles to light one for a prayer, as I did. Candles, $5 each. It was the each part that stuck out for me. What this meant to me was that if you had two prayers and you wanted to light two candles, that would be $10. And if you had three prayers, that's $15 and so forth. And there was absolutely no bargains or discounts if you needed to pray in bulk that day, by the way. Needless to say, <laughs> There were hardly any candles lit, and there wasn't exactly a long line of people just itching to light a candle and offer up prayers at $5 a pop. And I wondered at $5 how long they allowed the flame to burn before extinguishing it, or before the wind extinguished it, or someone blew it out. And then they would be able to sell that particular wick for another $5, maybe only 20 minutes later. Now, my mind wouldn't stop as I contemplated the implication of lighting one of these candles. Was there a discount if there were signs of a previous burn? Just there, I just had so many questions. So much so, it turns out, I didn't light a candle. Not because I couldn't afford it. I didn't want someone else imposing a set price on my prayer. Now, if I didn't put $5 in the box, then I would have felt like I stole something, which is kind of ridiculous. And if I only put a quarter or a dollar, I would have still felt not right, like I was cheating and, and, and I gave it way too much thought, which in turn made me not light the candle. And the point is, 
the point of this story is I spent way too much time contemplating the rightness and the wrongness of the situation, analyzing the moment, and the result was I didn't pray in the moment when I felt the need to. And I wondered how many others had had the same experience as I did, just, just walking away and giving up, discouraged, perplexed, angry, possibly ashamed that they didn't have the $5, feeling that their prayers wouldn't matter or be listened to because of this, this barrier. And did this feed on the notion that God is just too far away anyway and distance, or, or did this barrier give others an excuse to say, yeah, see, churches and religion, they're hypocritical, and all they want is your money anyway. That's why it's better to be spiritual, but not religious. Did people feel unworthy so that they just walked away and gave up? Well, out of rebellion, I later sat down on a bench and I prayed anyway. I didn't light a candle. The candle wasn't necessary for prayer. The candle would have helped me focus my prayer and I would have liked to have done it in the moment. It would have meant something but I was turned off. We have so many hurdles to prayer as it is. And while I recognize all too well the importance and challenge of funding ministry these days, when the world is more and more secular, thus the need to demand $5 to place a lit match on the candle wick, creating more obstacles to prayer instead of invitations to prayer defeats the purpose of supporting ministry in the long run. In today's gospel, Jesus comes to the temple in Jerusalem. The time of the Passover was near, and this was the time when Jews from all over became pilgrims to the temple in Jerusalem. There wasn't a temple in your local village you could just walk to. That time in Jewish history didn't come yet, so you had to travel to the one temple in Jerusalem. And you can imagine that the activity at the temple was frenetic. There were, there were those bartering and selling unblemished animals for sacrifice like doves, as sacrifice was what was required for worship during this time. And then there were the money changers because the temple would not accept Roman money, Roman coins. They would only accept temple coins. The Roman coins had the head of the emperor on them. And some of these coins may have had the inscription Divi Filius on them, which meant son of God. So these blasphemous graven image laden coins would, would have to be changed into temple money so that the sacrificial animals could be purchased by the pilgrims. And money was being made in these transactions, in these exchanges. So there's a lot of machinations and noise and commerce happening on the grounds of the temple. Remember last week I talked about the barriers between heaven and earth, that barriers between God and humanity were torn open. One with the baptism of Jesus as the heavens were, were torn open, as well as when Jesus died on the cross and the temple curtain was torn in two. Jesus breaking the barriers so that God and humanity could be in relationship free of charge. And here we have Jesus once again, physically pushing aside the barriers that distract or keep the people from access to God by, by toppling the tables of the money changers. 
Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace, he says. This is, a, this is a tough gospel for churches and church leaders in the 21st century because in our times, especially, we are dependent on gifts and donations, income from real estate or other business ventures in order to literally house our worship, in order for us to reach out with the Christian message and, and to keep it alive. Without the patronage throughout history, the church wouldn't have been able to pass on our faith to generations. There was a time in the Episcopal Church in America when there was not government-sponsored religion after the Revolutionary War, where the separation between church and state became the law of the land, where there was a pew tax that one had to pay in order to worship. Well, that was later abolished because this was recognized as a barrier to many for worship and prayer. And in times such as these, when church isn't important to the secular world around us, we are, we are asked to reimagine opportunities to minister to the community while also helping sustain our existence to be able to minister to the community. It is a, a, a paradox to say that our spirituality is free but our religion seems not to be because the church is always seemingly asking for money. Yes, spirituality is free, but religion is how we organize our spirituality and we need that too. So we must always strike a balance and hold these two things in tension. It is our obligation to keep the flame alive for future generations, and it's our obligation to continue to discern what our ministry and purpose is so that we can keep the flame alive and burning and not rely always on, on what has gone before, but what the Spirit is telling us now. This is intention always with making sure that we are accessible to those who seek and that we aren't setting up barriers out of exclusiveness, fear, or worse, greed. The temple practice with the money changers and their sacrificial system, it worked, okay? It, it ran well for a long time. Jesus interrupts, as he always does, he interrupts the status quo. Now, while things may have worked for a long time, it's now time for renewal. It's time for restoration. It's time to rethink the way it has been for the way it could be. Jesus says, I will tear down this temple and rebuild it in three days. Now we know in hindsight that he is talking about his death and resurrection, which is to come. Something new and drastic and risky is being proposed here and it all goes along with what we have been hearing about breaking down barriers, tearing away the obstacles that we put in front of us on the pathway of our pilgrimage toward God. Lent is that time when we look at what keeps us from prayer and introspection, when we look at how sin in our lives blocks us from God's will, when we look at what, what are the barriers we put in our way, excuses, fears, demands, frustrations, whatever they may be, and we just get down to the basics. God is accessible, and Jesus proclaimed it so and made it so. Back to the basics. Jesus shows us that we are always on the precipice, the threshold 
of potentiality and to not be too comfortable or stuck with old habits, even if they are efficient habits, because sometimes our efficiency skirts new truths that may be trying to break through. Today in Lent is a good day to think about prayer and about what triggers us to prayer. Locate, if you can, how you are called to prayer and how you may be inhospitable to yourselves. What are the obstacles you put up to distract you from prayer? What keeps you from commitment to a prayer life? And as we are forced to do all of this at home these days, without our temples of worship, think about how do we keep the flames of faith burning in our own homes? Whether we're alone or with our family members, so during this time in Lent, when you pray, remember that you are standing on a threshold of potentiality. Think of the doorway in your house. When you stand on the wood or the stone or the metal or whatever it is that makes up the threshold of that doorway, you're neither outside or inside. You have left the past events of the day behind, whether it's your day at work or, or whatever it is you do, your busyness of the day, and you haven't quite entered into your home where you are most comfortable. You are in the transition itself. This is what prayer is all about, standing in the threshold of a doorway. Wendy Wright is a writer of family life and spirituality who writes the above of what I just said, as well as this. She says, to enter the door of a home is to pass through a structure that evokes what anthropologists term a liminal state, a transitional passage between two phases in the life cycle. This is a time of ritual power and danger between an old phase which is passing away and a new phase that has not yet come into being. This is the passageway through which a groom carries a bride, into which a new child may be brought, under which daily kisses of leave taking and return are exchanged, through which a new college student embarks on a journey of self-discovery, or through which a grandparent leaves for the last time. At this doorway, we mark transitions. The doorway is thus a sacred space of welcome and leave taking. This is prayer standing in the doorway of transition and possibility. Jesus tears down the barriers and the obstacles to God. Life is hard enough and jumping through hoops in order to pray shouldn't be promoted. Whether you light a flame on the $5 candle or you sit on a bench beside the unlit candle, God doesn't put a price tag on our offerings of self when we come to God in prayer. God doesn't ask us to come forward only if we are unblemished or that if we have the right amount of coinage. Jesus disrupting the temple business gets everyone's attention and that is what God wants. Our focus and our attention. Not for God's own sake, but for our own sakes and for the sake of a transformed world. Amen.